I thought if I set up here that I would get some of that, that talent, that gift of singing, but I don't think it's hit me yet. Amen. It's coming, though. It's coming. Good morning, Chicagoland Bible Fellowship. Good morning to you. Um, I heard some uh, words about the marriage retreat. Um, I just want to extend a thank you to Pastor and Karen um, as they have labored in this ministry for years. I know for the Savages, it's been about, what, 18 years or so. Uh, we've been coming to the marriage retreat, and they've been faithful, you know, through sickness, through all kinds of things, family issues, and the responsibilities on, in their personal lives. They, they stay committed to the work of God. So, Pastor, I wanted to publicly say thank you uh, for that. A lot of churches don't have a marriage ministry. So I just pray that we would continue to take advantage of that. I know it's very helpful for me and my wife, uh, and we've gotten a lot out of it over the years. I was rough when I first came. <laughs> now, some of the edges, not all of them, some of them have been smoothed out. Amen? If you stand with me as the Word of God is read, I'll be reading from the first chapter of John, starting at verse 35. And the text reads as follows. And again, the next day, John was standing with two of his disciples. And he looked upon Jesus as he walked and he said, Behold, the Lamb of God. And the two disciples heard him speak, and they followed Jesus. Let's go before the Lord in prayer. Oh, Father, how we're so thankful for your grace and your mercy. I love John's example, and I read this text because John didn't get it twisted in thinking that it was about him, that it was all about Jesus. And he understood that his purpose in life was to prepare the way for the Savior. So your servant comes this morning, Lord, praying uh, that you would increase, that I would decrease, that your word would go forth, and that the Holy Spirit would move and ears would be open, hearts would be softened to hear what you have to say today. And it was the result of your word going forth. Individuals would either come to know you or have a closer walk with Jesus. In the precious name of Jesus, I say, let the church say, amen. 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 You may be seated. If you note in your bulletin, the title of today's message is Handling Life's Curveballs. And I got a, a, a Cubs jersey here that I'm going to put on for two reasons. One is for illustration purposes, and two, I want to let the White Sox fans know it's a little snug, but that's okay. I want to give the White Sox fan a picture of what it looks like to be a champion. Want to give, don't, 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 follow me now, don't, don't, you all could win this year, or maybe not. But in life, what tends to happen is we get hit with these curveballs. And I was doing my, my research and come to understand that in sports, one of the most difficult things to do is to hit a major league pitch. I mean, if you look at the Cubs, 
the guy that was very instrumental in the Cubs winning the championship, they had to go out and get what's called a closer, a Raldis Chapman. And Araldis Chapman uh, was known for being able to throw that ball over 100 miles an hour. You got to understand, I played high school football. I mean, football, and I played a little bit of baseball. And I tell you, I could hit the fastball. When you're standing up there and as you move through the ranks, of the difference from the minor leagues to the major leagues, it's a whole different ball game. And you see, a lot of the minor leaguers don't make the majors because they can't handle the curveball. They can't handle the curveball because it's a scary pitch. After this guy's throwing pitches at you 100 plus miles an hour, and then he throws what's called the big hook. And that ball, if you're a right handed batter and you're standing there, that ball looks like it's going to hit you. And then all of a sudden, it dips into the strike zone. And oftentimes, people don't even, don't even see it coming. And you know, that's kind of like life. Life tends to throw us curveballs. You, you wake up one day and you, you, you find out you got cancer. I think about my auntie. She ate healthy all since we were kids. I used to, I used to spend the summers with them at their house. I literally lived there. And she would feed us Brussels sprouts. She would feed us spinach. She would feed us succotash. I said, what is succotash? She ate healthy all her years, and then all of a sudden, she's hit with breast cancer. All of a sudden, you might be thinking about some of the curveballs that you experienced, whether it's marital issues. On an ordinary day, as pastor would say, bam, you're in the throes of fighting for your life because you've been diagnosed with some illness. I just went through it back in September. Uh, a, a, a basic routine surgery and then being able to, the, the told that you're going to come out within two hours. The surgery's going to be over. You're going to recover four hours. Pretty much you'll be home at 12 o'clock. Well, it didn't work that way. I got a curveball thrown at me. And here's the thing you got to understand. You, you need to understand how to handle the curveballs because it's not a question of if they're coming. It's a question of when they're coming. So you need to understand how to handle the curveball because the, 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 what you need to know is that at the end of life, it's going to determine the legacy that you leave on this earth, how you handle the curveball. We got the victory. We just got to walk in it. Amen. And as I look at the scriptures, uh, uh, one of the, the stories that I'm fascinated by, and I'm still wrapping my mind around this thing, is the story of Mary and Joseph. And in Matthew, it talks about it from Joseph's perspective. You all know the story. I want you to turn your Bibles to Luke chapter 1. Turn your Bibles to Luke chapter 1. And Dr. Luke gives us this curveball in regards to Mary and Joseph and their story. And I'm going to take this jersey off. It's a little bit snug, so I'm going to take this off. I know you White Sox fans will get a little agitated about that anyway, so I'm going I'm to back up off you for a minute. But as we look at Luke chapter 1, starting at verse 36, it says, uh, 26, I'm sorry, it says, Now in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God, to a city in Galilee called Nazareth, to a virgin engaged to a man whose name was Joseph, 
of the descendants of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. And coming in, he said to her, Hail, favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at this statement and kept pondering what kind of salutation this might be. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall name him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High, and the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and his kingdom will have no end. And Mary said to the angel, How can this be, since I am a virgin? And the angel answered and said to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. And for that reason, the holy offspring shall be called the Son of God. And behold, even your relative Elizabeth has conceived a son in her old age. She was called barren and now is in her sixth month, for nothing is impossible with God. And Mary said, Behold, the bondservant of the Lord, be it done to me, and be it done uh, to me according to your word. And the angel departed her. Now understand something. Mary and Joseph was, was about to get married. They were engaged, right? Now, usually when you're engaged, most of the women, they look forward to this time all their lives, right? They look forward to, to, to their wedding day. And then she was probably thinking, and this is just Brandon talking, she was probably thinking about the menu and, you know, all the things that were going to come and the people that they were going to invite to their ceremony and all these things. And then, bam, an angel appears to her and says, oh, hell, favor one. It basically tells her that she's going to be impregnated. So wait a minute, hold up, hold up, hold up. How is this possible? I've never been with a man. We go through the text. She said, I, the, 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 the angel walks her through this thing. And one thing you got to note is she was obedient. She did exactly what the angel told her to do. Now, women, put yourself in Mary's shoes. How are you going to explain this? What are your, your relatives are going to say? I know if my wife walked in and said, hey, uh, I'm pregnant, Brandon. And I'm going, we never been together. Houston, we got a problem. We got a problem. So how is she going to explain this? What are people going to think? Let's flip over to Matthew chapter 1. And see, we want to look at from Mary's perspective. Now I want to give you the text from Joseph's perspective. When you're there, say amen. Now the birth of Jesus Christ was as follows. When his mother Mary had been betrothed, Mary had been betrothed to Joseph. Before they came together, she was found to be with child by the Holy Spirit. And Joseph, her husband, being a righteous man and not wanting to disgrace her, desired to put her away secretly. But when he had considered this, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife. 
for that which has been conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. And she will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for it is he who will save his people from their sins. Now all this took place that what was spoken by the Lord through the prophet might be fulfilled, saying, Behold, the virgin shall be with child and shall bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which translate God with us. And Joseph arose from his sleep and did as the, uh, the angel of the Lord commanded him and took her as his wife and kept her a virgin until she gave birth to a son and he called his name Jesus. Now, Joseph is going about his business. He probably comes home and Mary comes in and talks to Joseph. She said, baby, I, I, I got some news for you. I got some news for you. Uh, 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 and guess what? He was like, what? I'm pregnant. Now, what do you think is going through Joseph's mind at this point? Just as, I, just as I said earlier, I've never been with you. How could you be pregnant? That's curveball number one. Number two is she goes in and tells him that not only am I pregnant, I'm pregnant by the Holy Spirit. You tripping. If you think I'm going to believe that. Who, this has never happened in human history. Now, you're telling me, you, what, do you, what do you think, I fell off the peanut truck today? No, sir. No, sir. Now, understand something. When they were betrothed, that means that they were engaged. This was a binding contract between them. It wasn't like the engagements that we have today where you could move in and out of it. They were literally married. The actual marriage ceremony would have been basically a formality. They were already married in the sense that now you got to consider that there's sin involved is what you're going to think, right? And the marriages were arranged back then. So typically what would happen, you pick out your, your, your parents would pick out your spouse for you, right? Who pick out your spouse? And I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to that. I'm looking forward to picking out my daughter's husbands. Matter of fact, I already got them picked out. Wife don't know it. I haven't even told my wife about it yet. So how am I going to explain this to my family? What are people going to think about this? And she, that, that was a dilemma. And Joseph is pondering this thing. And I got to tell you, from the ghetto brother that I am, it would have been a problem. I wouldn't have been as calm as Joseph. Like, hold up, wait a minute, you telling me you pregnant? Who is this? Who, who, what, who, who, what? What, what was it, Pookie? Where yet? I'm going down there to talk to somebody. You come in here talking about you pregnant. Then you're going to tell me it's the Holy Spirit? This doesn't make sense. Doesn't make absolutely no sense. But when, you, when you're trying to be able to handle the curveball, there are some things that, that has to happen. God gives us a blueprint from this story and how to handle the curveball. The first thing that you need to understand is God has a plan for your life. God had a plan here. When you look at the text, it says that the Lord, now the birth of Jesus Christ, I'm sorry, I'm going to drop down to, behold, the virgin shall be with child. She shall bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel, which translate, which means God with us. This was foretold in Isaiah. This was the fulfillment of prophecy. God had already made this plan 
before the beginning of time that he was going to send his son into the world. He had this plan. And just as God had a plan in this particular case, he has a plan for you and I. God has a specific plan for your life. Now, we say, Brandon, what, it, what, what, what does that have to do with the price of butter in China? Here's what it has to do. No matter what happens, no matter what the situation that you're going to experience, it's not going to divert God's plan. It won't get in the way of that. Now, assuming some of the things that we're going to cover in a little bit, assuming that you're doing what you're supposed to do. Now, you can divert God's plan, but if you stay on course, he's going to get you to where you need to go. This was a part of God's plan, and the first thing, we need to have confidence in knowing that God has a plan for each one of us. The second thing that you need to consider is don't allow the curveball to bring you into fear and panic. Notice in the text that says that Joseph was a righteous man. Joseph didn't put Mary on blast. Now, I got, like I said, I got to be honest. I would have been pulling my eyebrows out because I don't have any hair left. I would have been really upset. And what's the first thing that we tend to do when we hit with some kind of challenge? Some of us cry. I got some deacons here that do a lot of crying. Some of us go into a panic and we, ah, it's like our hair is on fire. We have, God, why me? We get all out of control when we start going through stuff like that. And guess what? You just wasting time. Because that does absolutely nothing. If I go to the doctor today and they tell me I got cancer and I spend all this time crying and hooping and hollering, guess what? Tomorrow, I still got cancer. Unless God comes in and removes it, I still have to deal with this situation. So doing all of that crying, and I'll say this to say, in the spirit of my, my brother Roland, I say this to say, there's nothing wrong with crying. But you can spend, don't spend all your time there. Save your tears and say, hey, shed a few of them and then keep it moving. Don't get all bent out of shape. Don't start panicking. You can't think when you're hit with a challenge if you're in a panic. You know, I was at Camp Sunshine Wind, um, and me and uh, the, a couple of my guys, we were, staying, we were the maintenance team, and we stayed up in the cabin on the hill, and the director felt that we were kind of filling ourselves. We were getting a little bit too cocky, and we was lifting weights, and we was walking around like some tough guys. My wife remember that, right? You do? Amen. <laughs> but we were walking around like tough guys. He said, I'm, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to show these guys. I'm going to put them back in their place. So what he did was, late at night, they didn't have street lights at camp. It's pitch black out there. He got an old man's mask, and he put on an old man's mask, and my buddy Eric, we call him Big E. Big E was in the bathroom. Big E was in the bathroom doing what you do in the bathroom. So Big E looks at the window, and there is Terry Scudder with this old man mask on. Big E comes running out of the bathroom, screaming, I said, what's going on? I had to smack him. Like, he was like, hey, man, what you doing? I said, what, what's going on? And he was pointing at the back. There's somebody out there. There's an old man out there. And he was all in a panic. So we got brooms and sticks and everything and went out there. We put together a plan. We was going to get this guy. 
And I say that to say that when you go in and you start panicking like that, it does you no good. You need to get back. What are you going to do? Huh? You're going to sit there in a panic and some of us need a holy slap right now. Huh? Some of us need a, who need a holy slap? I'm, I'm willing to bless you in that area. Kevin, do you need one? Okay, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Let me get back to it. But I'm just telling you, you can't be consumed with panic and fear when you face with the curveball. You got a lot of guys, and when you're standing up at that plate, I did Little League, and it's a whole different level with Little League. The guys that throw that ball at you, you hunching up and you running from the plate. You're never going to be able to hit the ball if you're afraid. You might get lucky every now and then, swing with your eyes closed, but you can't allow the curveball to bring you into panic and fear. Joseph didn't panic. He didn't put Mary on blast. He didn't go out and call his boys up and say, hey, man, can you believe what this woman did to me? You, you, you won't believe this. Then she, she's pregnant. Then she has the nerve to tell me that the Holy Spirit impregnated her. Joseph didn't do that. He didn't do that. The text goes on to read, as Joseph is navigating this thing, he kept his cool. Uh, you have to make sure that you're walking in righteousness. You got to make sure that you got a close walk with God. And here's the thing you got to understand when you think about this and, and you got to understand, is there a difference between the curveball coming from God where I am being tested? Or is it coming from Satan where I am being tempted? Or it's coming as a result of your sin? What's your response? What's your response there in that particular situation? What's your response if it's coming from Sin, let's deal with that one first. You need to do something about that. Because what happens is if you're deliberately walking in sin, you, 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 you're disconnected from God. And see, here's the thing. It's kind of like uh, this is speak kind of to the guys. It's where we, we got these, uh, we like big screen TVs where we can see the sports going on and got the cable going and all the different channels. Guys like that. Imagine if you had a hundred screen, uh, inch screen TV down in your basement and you got your little lazy boy there and you punching that remote trying to turn that thing on and it will not work. And you're trying to figure out what is going on. Then all of a sudden you discover it's not plugged in. That's what happened with us as believers when you're walking and you are disconnected. You got to plug back into the power source. You know, the scriptures tell us here that Joseph was a righteous man. He was a righteous man. So if you're walking and seeing and you're facing some kind of challenge, what you need to do is repent. You need to repent, confess that stuff, and allow God to handle it and get back in good standing with him. Amen. The next thing we need to consider if that curveball is coming from God and or Satan, the response is the same. And here's the thing. I need to stay close to him because Satan can't touch me when I'm close to, to God, when I'm walking with God. The scripture says resist the devil and he's going to flee. He's going to get away from you. He's going to get away from you. If I'm being tested, I just need to stay the course and continue to walk with God in the midst of that situation. And here's the thing, we don't always know 
whether we're being tested or tempted. We don't know where it's coming from. You say, Brandon, you know, I listened to pastor this week. Well, why do you say that? What's your burden of proof? When you look at the story of Job, Job didn't have the privilege of hearing the conversation between Satan and God. Did he? He didn't know what was going on. He didn't know that there was some behind-the-scenes things that were happening. But God would say, consider my servant Job to Satan. Have you considered him? So we don't know. We just need to be faithful. And see, what happens is there's some basic things, principles, fundamentals that we need to stick to as believers. You need to have a solid prayer life. This is the ABCs. You all know this. We heard all this stuff this weekend. You need to have a solid prayer life. You need to be having a really solid, quiet time. And then it's one thing to, to be communicating with God. It's one thing to, to be in God's word, but that needs to be an application of the word. You need to be living it out. You need to be putting it into practice. It's good to have the knowledge, but if we don't use it, what good is it? Amen? So we need to have the fundamentals, and some of us need to get back to those fundamentals. You know, in golf, you could be playing uh, a round, and you having the, 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 the round of your life. Every, you hitting pars and birdies and a couple eagles here and there. You get to the, the ninth hole, you feeling good, then all of a sudden, things go sideways. It's like you've never played the game before. And you know, when that happens to me, and it happens to me often, <laughs> I hate to admit, and I know Gary back there chuckling, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it happens. What you have to do is get back to the fundamentals. I had to check my grip. I had to check my stance. I had to go through, okay, am I keeping my head down? I got to go through the fundamentals. Some of us need to get back to the fundamentals today. As you experience some things, you need to be making sure that you're walking with God. You need to make sure that you're practicing those fundamentals if you're purposing to handle the curveball. The next thing we want to consider is you have to be making sure you're listening to God. Now, all this took place, and what was spoken by the Lord, the prophet, might be fulfilled. This is the angel talking to Joseph. And he says, Behold, the virgin shall be with child, and shall bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which translate God with us. Joseph sat there and listened to this dialogue. As I mentioned earlier, he didn't call his boy. He didn't call that. Sometimes that's the first thing we do when we go through some stuff, right? We call somebody. We call a best friend. We need to make sure that we're listening to God. Now, I will say this. There are times where God is going to put people in your life and to give you godly wisdom. I got some key men in my life that I rub shoulders with that I know when I reach out to them that they're going to point me to the word of God. They're going to point me in that direction. Now, their word doesn't trump what the Lord is saying. There's a guy, um, y'all have heard me talk about Dana Thomas. He's like my dad. I could call Dana at any time, and I know 
100% of the time, Dana is going to point me back to the word of God. He's going to say, have you considered this? Have you considered what the word says? Spoke to him this weekend and he talked to me about the word of God. So there are times where God is going to put people in your life to help you navigate these things. But the first person that you want to be calling, first you want to be reaching out to him. You want to be taking it to the Lord in prayer. You know, not the, your first response shouldn't be to call 911. You should be calling Jesus. Amen? All right. I think we got that. The fifth thing that we want to consider is obedience. The text tells us, and Joseph arose from his sleep and did as the angel of the Lord commanded him and took her as his wife and kept her a virgin until she gave birth to a son and he called his name Jesus. Joseph just didn't listen. Joseph practiced obedience. He did exactly what the Lord had told him to do. And we sometimes say, man, that's, that's simple, Brandon. But I'm going to be honest with you this morning. There's times when I don't feel like doing what God told me to do. I'm going to be real with you. I don't even like it. Say, Brandon, love your neighbor. Lord, have you seen my neighbor? Have you talked to my neighbor? You telling me to love that person? I got some issues in that area, and I'm going to keep it real. Turn the other cheek. You telling me I'm supposed to let somebody hit me, and then I'm turning to, no, Lord, I'm from Cabrini Green. We don't do that. You hit us, we hit back. But am I going to be obedient to what the Lord is calling me to do? Am I going to trust him and continue to, to walk in his word and do exactly what he tells us to do? There's a, a, there was a slogan by Nike some years ago, just do it. I'm going to just do it. Lord, I don't like it. Sometimes, I don't, most times, I don't even understand it. I don't know why I'm going through this situation. I'm pretty sure Joseph's like, hey, listen, you needed to have the angel to come in, and this was a heavy one. <laughs> I needed to have the angel come and bring some clarity on this situation because Joseph's mind was set on divorcing her. And then the thing about it, he didn't want to put her out there. He didn't want to disgrace her. So you could tell he was, he was really walking with God and the fact that he exhibited mercy on his sister. It was like, I don't want to put her out there. I don't want to make this thing public because the reality was she could have been stoned for adultery if it got out there. Joseph didn't want to do that. He said, hey, but the Lord had to give him clarity on this. We don't always have the privilege of knowing what God is doing behind the scenes. And we just got to trust him and be obedient to what he's telling us to do. I'm going to just do it. Like I said, I don't understand it, Lord. I don't even feel like doing it. It doesn't make sense, but I'm going to just do it. I would encourage you, saints, to just do it. You know, um, 2015, early 2015, I got a call from my brother. And he said, Brandon, uh, big bro, 
there's something going on with mom. I said, man, what are you talking about? He said, man, there's something going on with mom. I said, well, she's, she's not memorizing things, basic things she's having trouble with. And I said, you tripping. She's just getting old. A few weeks later, I look into it, and we find that there is something going on with mom. And I said, Lord, what do we do? We rush her. We go to doctor's appointment after doctor's appointment and find out that she's in the stage of early dementia. I said, what do you do? We weren't expecting this. She was at a point where she, she couldn't function on her own. So Rochelle and I were left to have her move in with us. Our whole lives turned. <laughs> we didn't, you, this wasn't supposed to happen at this time, Lord. She was supposed to be maybe in her 80s and 90s, not in her late 60s experiencing something like this, where she has to be helped to get dressed, to be reminded to eat, to drink, all these basic things. We didn't sign up for this. We didn't expect it, but it happened. What are you going to do? Keep walking with God. Stay the course. Keep walking with God. This was part of his plan. He didn't, he's not sitting in, in heaven saying, man, what do I do with Brandon and, and Rochelle and his mom? And how's this thing going to work out? God isn't standing up there confused. He's looking down. He's saying, I'm out Elroy. I see what's going on. I see your situation. I got you. I don't know what you're going through this morning. I don't know what you're going to face next week. I don't know what the situation is going to be. But I want to encourage you to keep walking with God. I said I wasn't going to cry up here because I was teasing Roland all weekend about crying. It's a little dusty up here. That's okay. But I want to encourage you to keep walking with God. Stay the course. I don't, I don't know what you're going to face. God does. He's already got the answer. He's already got it figured out. It's according to his plan. Don't, don't, don't panic. Don't get bent out of shape. Keep walking with him. Stay walking in righteousness. Obey him. Tell, do exactly what he's telling you to do. And I promise you, you will be victorious. You're going to have a testimony. And you know, it's always my prayer that at the end of my life, I don't know when that's going to be. I don't know all the challenges that are waiting around the corner for me. But at the end of my life, I want to stand before God and have him say, well done, my good and faithful servant. But there's some there's some peaks and valleys that you're going to have to go through. It ain't going to always feel good. If you're purposing to get in shape, there's some, there's some work that's involved. 
That's, you're going to have to exercise those muscles. When you're going to the gym, it don't feel good, at least to me, to lift weights, the soreness that you experience after that. But what tends to happen when you start to go through it and you get further down the line and you mature, it becomes less and less and less in terms of the, the, the pain, the, the, the heartache you experience going through that. But you got to go through the process. There's no way around it. And the if truth be told, don't none of us like pain? None of us do. I know I don't. I don't like pain. I was teasing my, my wife, and she going to get me for this. And then I'm going to sit down real quick. Um, when we were having Micah, Rochelle was bent on, I see her face now, so I'm going to look over here. Um, Rochelle was bent on not having any pain medication. I said, woman, you crazy. There's no way. No way. She said, oh, don't make sure that no matter what happened, you do not allow them to give me any pain medication. I said, I got you. So, I'm, you know, the women are screaming like they're in hell. The walls were paper thin, and I'm hearing, ah, ah. And I'm, hearing, I'm like, she want to do this without any pain medication? So all these women had their babies. All the men were out in the hall rubbing their heads and splashing water on their faces. Then it came our turn. She said, remember, do not allow them to give me any pain medication. I go to put on the scrubs, put on my little gown thing, and I come back, I hear, give me something to take the edge off. And it was too late. They was putting the stuff in the IV, and I just kind of smirked a little bit. <laughs> I said, I didn't do my job. And I don't know if I would have stopped the doctor anyway, because I couldn't bear to watch it. But I look at what she went through. The I mean, I don't know if I know I couldn't do it. And that's why God designed it that way. And I look at our daughter. She's the most beautiful thing I've ever held in my hands. But she had to go through it. She had to experience it. Now, I was right there with her. I didn't do, to be honest with you, I didn't do much. She told me, don't touch her, don't ever touch her again. <laughs> I didn't do much. But she had to go through that to get the result of our beautiful daughter, Micah. Then we had three more after that. And I, don't, I won't talk about the medication and what happened with the other three. Say that for another day. But maybe you're going through some things this morning. Maybe you've been kind of teetering and wondering what God is doing. Maybe you, you faced with a marital situation. We just had the marriage retreat and we were able to put a lot of things on the table. Maybe it's a health concern. Maybe it's a relationship uh, uh, that's struggling with a family member. Maybe it's finances. I don't know what it is. But again, I want to encourage you to know that God has it. He has it. He's got it. We just got to trust him. And if you need prayer in that area, I want to, well, I know I do. And I, I, oh, it's funny how God works because he lays things on my heart where I'm struggling in. I'm struggling in handling the, the curveballs. 
I wish I could stand up here and tell you all I'm an expert at these things. And I said, Lord, you got a sense of humor. At least throw me a bone or something. And I could come in here and say, man, I'm victorious in that area. I got that covered. This is it. I'm struggling just like some of you. So if you need prayer this morning, I want to ask that you stand as we wrap this thing up. And we hear the word of God. We hear it. We know it. It's in our head. We quote verses every Sunday. Pastor has a call to quote verses. But that's great. But it's the application, the obedience that he's concerned about. So let's go before the Lord in prayer. Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you for the fact that you're sovereign, that you're in control in the midst of this life. We don't know what awaits us in terms of the various curveballs. Lord, we don't know what's around the corner. We don't know what our days are on this earth. Lord God, but I pray for the saints and myself that are standing, that you would have them, have us to stay focused on you, not on what's happening around us. Lord God, not, not paying attention to uh, uh, getting stuck on the finances, not getting stuck on the marital, marital issues, not getting stuck on relationship issues, health issues, to know that you got it, you got a plan, you're in control, the, the, the victory is ours, we just have to walk in it. Help us to keep that in mind as we commit this time to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.